I really believe that we should all have the option to walk around with our own theme music at all times. Wouldn't that be great? Just walk into your place of business, they're like, oh, hey, Clint's walking in. I hear his music going, here he comes. You know, and then if like you were having a bad day, you could just adjust it, you know. They're like, oh, having a bad day, are you? Maybe we should pray. <laughs> you know, this morning, um, I feel like this morning the Lord, just before I even begin to preach, wants to impart strength and encouragement. God says that his word and his spirit is able to break a heavy yoke, a spirit of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And I just felt like this morning, and, and this is, by the way, this is not a referendum on you. Sometimes you wake up and you just feel like, you know, like one of the planets landed on you. Have you ever done that? You just sort of wake up like, what happened? What animals of the night came in and beat me in my sleep? And, um, you know, the truth of the matter is uh, we really do have a formidable enemy, and he does hate you, and he doesn't have power to be able to defeat you because Jesus Christ has given us the victory, but he does go about like a roaring lion seeking those that he may devour. And you know what? God loves you, and he doesn't want you to be devoured. So if you woke up this morning with just a sense of heaviness, I'm going to pray over you right now, all right? Jesus, I thank you because you said that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And Father, that means that if there's anyone in this house right now and for everyone that's in this house right now who has a sense of heaviness or a sense of discouragement because things seem too compli complicated, too overwhelming, too compounded, then your word is what they need right now. They need by your Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, that you would come and make that real, that you would break this heavy yoke. And so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak to every mindset, to every belief system, to every philosophy or way of thinking that has become burdensome and hard, and I tell you to lift right now in the name of Jesus. I release the angels, the word says, are not angels, ministering servants sent to help those, to serve those who are inheriting salvation. Lord, let your angels come now and remove the bondages that the enemy has tried to put on your children. I speak to every assignment right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that has been given against these great people who are called by God and loved by God. And I tell you, in the name of Jesus, you are canceled, your power is broken, every power of darkness that would try to affect, infect, distract, or discourage this people, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I command you to depart. And I release right now in the name of Jesus Christ, by the authority given to us when Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. And if you ask anything in my name, then I will do it. So, Lord, I'm asking in your name for a new and fresh measure of wisdom by your Holy Spirit, of understanding by your Holy Spirit, of peace by your Holy Spirit, and of self-control by your Holy Spirit. Lord, let your presence come and bless your children, I ask. 
I want you to just, just open your hands up like this, just like you're receiving a gift, like rain, you know, when the cool rain comes. And if you want to just receive that from the Lord, just as, a, just as an act of obedience, just a physical act of obedience, speaking of a spiritual reality, just open your hands. Just say, Lord, I receive that. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Amen. He's good, isn't he? He's so good. He's so good. Hallelujah. How many of you felt something lift off of you? Look around, guys. Look around. You see that? See that? Keep your hands up. Just look around. Look how many people God wanted to touch today. You know what? It's not too late. If you still need that, even as we continue to preach and hear the word, just, just be sneaky. Just... <laughs> I receive that, Lord. Well, Jason and I are excited to kick off a, a theme. We are going to talk about the core values of this house. And in and, and point of fact, our core values line up probably with most places of worship, but these are distinctives that we have had as a part of our DNA and, and sort of a language that we've been speaking and understanding and a joy of, of this house from the time that it was founded, from the time that uh, when Roy Hicks Jr. Was, was, uh, was, was mentoring Pastor John, you're gonna see some of those things. And, and we began to articulate because God has given us a, a message and an accent, if you will, to share the kingdom of heaven, to share the gospel of the kingdom, and you're a part of that, and we thought, you know, it's probably good if we would talk about those things from time to time. So are you excited about that? Yeah. Well, I am. I'm very excited. So um, let's jump in, if I can make this thing work. There we go. Up, not down. Thank you, Jesus. I'm less excited now. Jesus. There we go. Okay, we're doing better. Part one. <laughs> I need to... <laughs> I'm going backwards. Jason, help me. <laughs> Hang on. Current and next. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now we're getting there. Okay, just Maybe we could just hold hands. No? It's not going to happen? Hey, we got it working. It's happening. No, it's not. Okay, you're going to have to stay here the whole time. Just got to wait for it. In those transitions, you just, just wait a second. It's coming. You're telling me to be patient. I'm you to be patient. I wish that was part of this sermon, but it's, it's actually not. It's something that the Lord's trying to birth in me. I'm just a little bit boomy behind myself somehow. I don't know what that means, but it feels like it's changing. Thank you, Jesus. The first thing I want to talk to you about is God is a good father, and, and this is the first core value. Everything really in the kingdom begins with this, that God is a good father. It, it's, the, it's the seat of all philosophy. It's the foundation of all reality. It's the revelation of everything that you see actually speaks of the fact that he's a good father. And today, I want to, I want to begin and end on that very point, that God is a good father, and we've broken that down into a few different pieces, and I, I wish, I mean, honestly, I wish I had like three hours to talk about it, but um, Red said I can't, so I'm going to go ahead and not do that. There we go, but when I'm in Cuba. So the first thing that we see of that God being a good father is that God is. 
We begin with the fact that God is. He is a reality. He is the one from which all things have come. He is self-existent. He has always been. When I try to think as a created being about the fact that God has always been, it almost immediately causes paralysis, sweating, and a whole bunch of other things I'm not even going to share. It's just so far outside of my mind because I have a beginning. So the idea of God without a beginning, he just has always been. Yeah, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's amazing, but he speaks of himself and he says, I am. And we know in the word, in Genesis, that it all begins right there. It begins with the fact that we have to start by understanding that God is. It's the beginning for any point of contact with this God. Though he created us, he's given us the opportunity and the ability to choose or resist him. And in Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says this, For he who comes to God must believe that he is, not that he was or that he will be, but that he is, which is an interesting way to say it, isn't it? Because he has always been. He exists from him. All things have come. I must believe that he is. And I love this. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How many of you uh, uh, men in here? I mean, maybe there's some ladies in here who aren't great at finding stuff. But I've found that it's men that are amazing at not finding things. And And you go to the drawer and you open it up. And you're looking for, I don't know, your wallet or a key or something. And you open up the drawer and you use your laser vision. Scanning, scanning. And then you do what any good man does. You reach in and stir, you know. Where is it? Where is it? And you're looking and you cannot find it. And so you do what any wise man would do. If you're, if you're not married, then you say, Mom. And if you are married, then you say, Babe. Or whatever affectionate term you have for your wife. And, and she says, It's in the drawer. And you say, I'm looking in the drawer. And she says, Well, look. And so you stir and you look and you look and you stir and you pray if you're righteous. And then you, and it's not there. And then she comes after maybe the fourth or fifth time because you're like, it's not in the drawer. And so then she walks over and pulls it right out. I don't know how that happens every time. But before she does that, there's that feeling, that sense of, you know, you're not going to find it. How many of you know what I'm talking about, Right. Well, this scripture was written for all of us who have ever looked in a drawer. And you just know you ain't going to find it. He says, well, here's the good news. God's not like that. He is. And he rewards those who diligently seek him. You will find him. Come on. That's a good word right there. He further goes on, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created everything. Every philosophy that we come up with, every way of thinking, every, every theory that we have, every understanding or application of the, of the small scientific view that we have, if it doesn't begin with this point, it ends up on the ash heap of history. It has to begin with this place of this God that is and that created all things. And when you come from that place, it, I, I, this isn't even my main point, but when you come from that place, so many things begin to make sense and they have value and there's glory and there's safety and there's objectivity. Say objectivity. objectivity. Come on, you know the opposite of that is subjectivity. How would you like it if everything just came down to somebody's opinion at whatever point based on how much power they had to inflict that opinion upon you? Reality today is, I own you. Well, God has something to say about that, doesn't he? 
He says, no, reality says you do not own any man, for I am the Lord God. Amen? Just one example. Pretty good one for America, considering our history, yes? All right. Thank you, Jesus. This is another one from 1 John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. I love, I love how, how redundant John is about this. He's like, look, in the beginning, it was God, and God was with God, and God was God. And what was made, he made it. And what wasn't made, he didn't make it because he made everything that was made. And in case you were wondering, it was God. I think this one was written probably more for me, where I'm like, oh, I think there's a loophole in there. So God is. This is the beginning. God is. Okay, will you just say that with me? God is. All right, now here, that's great. That's pretty good news, honestly, as Jason shares in uh, Restoration. It is wonderful. God is. He's powerful. He's omnipotent. He's all these wonderful things. But that might be kind of scary if God isn't good. And thankfully, God is good. He is good. And I'm going to just begin, actually, in Genesis. Genesis. <laughs> Genesis. I'm just, I'm, I'm starting to abbreviate things. I don't have time to finish saying that word. Seem to move on. I love the account of God. It says, in the beginning, God created everything. And as he takes each day, it says that he created light, and he looks at the light, and it was? Good. Yeah, and then he makes, uh, he makes dry land. It was good. He makes animals. They were good. He makes night and day and seasons, and they're good. He makes the plants, and they're good. And then he continues on. So I just, I just went ahead and summarized, and it was good. And it says, and God saw that it was good. Now, this is important because he begins the whole account of who he is and what he's done with the fact that everything he made is good, which kind of speaks to the creator, doesn't it? When you look at something and it's like a pile of junk, you go, <laughs> you know what? Just out of curiosity, I'd like to meet the knucklehead that created this thing, like the CD wrapper. How many of you remember CDs? <laughs> right? So you're just like, I want to find out who made this because it does, it's not good. It's not good, and it speaks of its creator, who is covered by the grace of Jesus, wherever they are. <laughs> but the point is, all of creation speaks of the goodness of God. And he begins the account as he's telling Moses about what he did. Moses wrote this book, Genesis, and he says, look, this is how I did it. And he goes, and by the way, at every stage, the first day through the sixth day, it was good, it was good, it was good. Why? Because I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. So I want to continue the account now. And then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, which immediately, inherently means he made them good. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. And then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good, say very good. Thank you. I'm doing my best. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. We're going to jump to Genesis 2 now. And the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that's pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden. Did you know that Eden means pleasure? I love that. I just love it. God makes everything good, takes man, puts him in the garden of pleasure as the beginning of all reality. 
Anyway, so he tent to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. What part of that tree did Adam not know? It's a tree of the knowledge of good and So what was the thing that he didn't know about? Exactly. He already had everything that was good, and he knew God, who is the definition of good. I'm just saying that's another say law. Let me continue. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, so Eve is made with, with Adam. I'm jumping, I'm jumping forward in this story, but God creates Eve. You know this. Adam and Eve are in the garden, made in God's image, made good. They're in the garden. They have a choice. The serpent comes and says... Has God indeed said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You, will sh- you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, well, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and apparently did something on that last line. No, and they made themselves some clothes, some coverings. I'm having a little formatting issues. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to Adam and he said to him, where are you? And so he said, well, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave to me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, will the serpent deceive me, and I ate. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle, and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you will go, and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Also, for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin, and he clothed them. And then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and live forever... Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. Now, you guys are very familiar with this story, yes? You're very familiar with the story. But there are, this is a, such a rich story. It's, it's an amazing, amazing story because you, this is the precedent of everything comes out of this story. And you'll notice it's amazing because the, the serpent, when it came to Adam and Eve, first of all, God made Adam and Eve good in his image, so they were good. And then he says, now take that goodness and be fruitful and multiply and cultivate the garden of pleasure, which is the garden of Eden, cultivate all this goodness. And he gave them the ability to be fruitful and multiply. The serpent comes in and deceives them and says, hey, listen, you know what? I know that, uh, 
I noticed you're not eating from that tree over there. And, he could, you know, what's that all about? And what he does is he's immediately calling into question the character of God. What, what, he's, what he's doing is he's, he's actually saying, you know what? God's keeping something from you. He's holding out on you. He's not who you think he is. In simplest terms, he's not good. And so even that moment, she's value-driven. So she says, well, gosh, if it's good for, for getting wisdom, then why not? I'll give it a shot. And in that moment, under the influence of, the, of, of Satan, and one of the names for Satan is he's called the accuser, which is a pretty appropriate name for him. He's called the accuser, and he accuses God of not being good. And I'll tell you, nothing has changed. That strategy works awesome on sons and daughters of God. It's, it's been a phenomenal, it's his biggest seller. He, he started it in the Garden of Eden, and he still uses the exact same strategy on every one of us today. How many of us have heard the argument of, if God were good, then why is there death in the world? If God were good, then, then why is there still disease? If God is good, how come there's still human trafficking? It, it, it comes back to, it's amazing how often when we have those arguments in our own minds, when you really boil them down, they come down to a fact is, I'm not sure that God's good. And based on whether or not I can make peace with him being good or not, really does, it really does shape the way I'm going to relate to him, whether or not I even can. Do you guys identify with this? When we really bring it down to its most basic level, which is what we're doing today because we're starting with, with how we think and reason and see reality, and, and we begin with the fact that God is. But then we quickly, we quickly know in, in order for that to be good news for anyone, he has to be good. And the great news is, he is. And the serpent, the only way that he could get those who were made in his image to break from this good God was to get them to question whether or not he actually is good. Whether or not what he's saying makes sense. Whether or not he really does deserve to be the author and finisher of faith, the beginning and the end. In other words, the foundation of truth and reality. And we sit here today no different, no different whatsoever in, in ourselves standing, considering in this, in this world. You know, the scripture says that all of creation speaks of the glory of God. You know, you look at, you look at even the birds of the air who find their food in a system set up by this good God. He cares even to feed the birds. In fact, when, he, and when Jesus is talking about the goodness of the Father and he's encouraging us not to worry, he says, consider the birds of the air, who your Father feeds even them. How much more will he take care of you? Consider the field, which God decorates with flowers. How much more will he take care of you? Well, he's just talking about the fact that all of creation speaks of the glory and the goodness of God. And here we are standing in the same place looking at the glory and the goodness of God, all of creation speaking of his glory and his goodness. Yet at the same time, we are faced with the accuser who comes and says, well, now wait a minute. Has God really said? And then he just fills in the blank. I remember when I was five years old is when I prayed 
is when. I'm not sure if that's proper English, but it is when. I prayed and received Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I've been going over this story in my head quite a bit lately, and I'm going to share it with you. Um, I was with a, a woman named Sarah Rico. She's with the Lord at this point, and we were in the back of a little blue Maverick car. Do you guys remember the Maverick? Such a hideous little car. And um, actually, I said that one time, and somebody's like, yeah, the Maverick, that's what I'm talking about. And I, then I felt bad, because I knew what the rest of the story was going to be, like, that it's hideous. Anyway, I'm not sure if that person got saved that day. But... Um, at any rate, I'm in the back of this little maverick, and, and Sarah Rico, she said to me, Joshua, are you saved? And I'm thinking, you know, from what? Yeah, I, I don't know. And I said that, I, I don't know. And she goes, what do you mean you don't know? And I said, well, I mean, I really don't know. What are you talking about? And she said, well, now, this is the part where I want to give some, you know, Sarah, you're listening, so um, I want to give some, some room for grace here. I don't know, because I was five, you know, so I'm not really sure if, if what I received and what she said is actually what she said, right? It, it may just be my five-year-old memory of it. Like, I don't know if, like, the, the accuser was there, because the accuser was in the garden with Adam and Eve, right? I mean, God said, don't eat of the tree of, 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 uh, of the knowledge of good and evil, and then the, the serpent showed up and said, well, did he really say that? And Eve was kind of like, well, I'm not really sure. Maybe. Maybe not. I mean, if it's good, it's, I probably should eat it, right? So she got confused enough to eat it, and Adam got confused enough to not say anything about it. He's like, okay. So at the same time, I'm five, and I'm in the back of this car, and I honestly don't know if this is exactly how she presented the gospel, but I'll share with you how I received it. It was like gospel. It was diet gospel. She said this. She said, uh, she said well, you see, if the thing that you need to understand is that you've sinned. I'm like, well, I'm actually thinking of a couple right now. You're right. Okay, I've sinned. And she said, and God the Father hates sin. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> and he sent his son Jesus to die because of your sins. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> and further, if you don't repent, you're going to hell where you're going to burn forever. And I'm like, okay. And she said, so, now here's the good news. Jesus didn't want you to have to die, and so the Father took him and killed him so that you don't have to go to hell, but only if you repent. And I'm like, hell or repent? I'll take it. Repent. So she led me in a prayer. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Thank you that you died for me on a cross so that I don't have to go to hell. Please save me. And I don't think I said it out loud, but in my heart it was like, from your dad. Seriously, I'm like, I know my dad and he's awesome. Like my dad puts me on the front of his 10-speed bike and, like, takes me to go get comic books. And, like, my dad picks me up and puts me on his shoulders and runs with me, and we laugh, and it's awesome, and he wrestles with me and tickles me, and my dad's awesome. Jesus, your dad is a maniac. <laughs> he is a maniac. Like, I know that I've been naughty before, and my dad had to spank me, but he never was like, and you will toast in hell for calling your mother, you know, I mean, not your mother, but your sister, you know, what have you. And so in that moment... The serpent was in my garden, and he was saying, Hath God said? 
is he really good? And so I prayed the prayer and I felt like I dodged a real bullet there, you know? And so I continued to grow. And the truth is, I do love the kingdom and I love Jesus. And I love the Holy Spirit. And I just send messages through them to the Father because I don't know what kind of mood that he's in. And I lived my life like that for years and years and years. In fact, it wasn't until attending here at Christ Center as your pastor that I remembered that part of the story about not knowing that God the Father is actually good. Like, I know the answer is that he's good. It says it in the Bible. You know, well, what is he? Well, let's see, Genesis says that he's good for frying five-year-olds. So, you know, you can, you can have something in your brain that you just know is true. Your brain is actually created in such a way, the Lord created you in such a way that your brain actually has a law of precedent. Remember I talked to you guys about chunking? How your brain, once it learns a certain thing, it doesn't go back and like go, one plus one is two, two plus two is four, four plus four is eight. It just memorizes the whole formula and you don't have to go back and think through you know, the 16 hours that it took you to, tr to learn how to do that thing. It just chunks it. It turns it into one action, one belief. You just know it's just labeled. Poof. So mine said, God is good. Okay, but that equation was... God is good because he killed his son because he was mad at you, and if he hadn't of, he would have sent you to hell, and that's why he's good. Boom, one chunk in there. And I don't think it through every time. I don't have to because God, he created us in a wonderful way. But the Bible says this. It says that we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so my belief system about God from, I believe, a very, I mean, Sarah Rico was a sweet lady. I mean, she actually drove us to church every Sunday. It wasn't like she was out to, like, get five-year-olds to be afraid of God. That was the exact opposite of what she was trying to do. And honestly, when I get there, Sarah, I'm going to ask you if that's how you presented it. I don't know. I don't know if she was, like, a legalistic Looney Tune or, I think she was really sweet. I know she was sweet. We were at her house. She gave me fruit roll-ups, homemade fruit roll-ups, and that proves that she was sweet. <laughs> so, she was sweet. The point is, though, that I understood God, the Father, as not good. And I, and I believe that the accuser was right there saying, this is how this math works. So stay away from him because he is crazy. But Jesus is cool. Hang out with Jesus. He's fine. Because I don't think he could really accuse Jesus. You know, at that point, it was already locked in. God is good means Jesus protects you from him. And the Holy Spirit's pretty awesome too. And so that was my core belief. So here I am. And... And as I'm going through life, as we all do, there are certain parts of my life that just kept breaking down. They just kept breaking down. It's like everything's going good, you know, you're just, you're going good, and then all of a sudden you're just, and it's like, what happened? And you get back up and you say, Lord, please forgive me, and you know, wow, I don't know why that happened, but, and then you're cruising along, and then, and, and after a while you start going, you know, that is a lot alike, and it keeps happening over and over again, and you start to go, there must be something broken. <laughs> there must be something that needs fixed here. Because I'm looking around, I don't see all y'all, you know, as me. You're doing your own thing, but you're not doing my thing. You're doing better than me. So I, I, I scheduled a time with a ministry in this house called, called the Sozo Ministry. 
Sozo is simply a word that means saved, healed, and delivered. And it's a wonderful ministry. You sit down with a couple of people, and they just pray, and they ask the Lord what he wants to show you, and then you begin to share with them whatever the Holy Spirit begins to bring up. And as you have this conversation, when you say something along the lines of, like, my deal, like, because oftentimes you don't remember some of those things that you believed that are shaping the way that you live right now. For instance, I didn't go around every day. I mean, obviously, you guys didn't ever hear me preach about how God the Father sends five-year-olds to hell. Did anybody ever hear that that session? Anyone? No. I never preached on that because I don't think about that. But here's here's what kept affecting me. Deep down, I'm staying away from the Father. But guys, the Father, God is good. God is a Father. He's a good Father is the foundation of reality. So what am I supposed to do to try to thrive and have peace and, and grow and enjoy reality when my core, my core understanding of the Father doesn't line up with truth? Did you know that your Father, God, is, is, the, is the one who gives you identity? You see, you're a son or a daughter by virtue of the fact that he's a father. And if he's not a father, you're not a son or a daughter. And if he's a horrible father, you're in a lot of trouble because he has all the power. So this left me in this place where my core belief, whether I realized it or not, was that Jesus was protecting me from my abusive, emotionally distraught father. But I didn't think it through like that. I just avoided him. I more quoted scripture to the Father. Well, here's some words you seem to like. Father, let me read them to you. Jesus, I really need comfort. I'm in a lot of trouble right now. Holy Spirit, whatever you can do to help me would be awesome. And then the Father's like, son? I'm like, dad? Do you see how that was shaping my view of reality? And so I sit down in, in, I, in, this, in this session and... and uh, and they just said, well, why don't you just close your eyes and just ask the, ask the Father what he wants to say to you right now or what he wants to show you right now. So I just closed my eyes and, Father, what do you want to show me right now? And immediately I'm back in the back of that car. And I'm sitting in the back of that and I could smell it, the vinyl seats. And I'm like, oh, I'm in the back of a Maverick. Interesting. Okay, I'm five years old. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, I remember and then I hear Sarah Rico sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with me, which is awesome. Now, this is the day I got saved. I remember that. This was a good day. And then all of a sudden, I remember the rest of the message that I got along with that, which is that God, the Father, sends five year olds to hell. And I'm like, that is horrible. And so they said, well, Is that true? Why don't you just ask the Father? Ask the Father if that's true. And I said, Father, is that true? Do you send five-year-olds to hell? And the Father says, I don't send anybody to hell. People have to grow up and choose to go to hell. They have to reject me and choose something other than me because I won't send anyone to hell. I desire that none should perish, but all should have everlasting life. And he said, and further, 
Do you think that it was easier for me to watch my son die on behalf of the guilt of every man, woman, and child than for me to do it myself? But it could not be. My son elected to die, and I had to watch him. You tell me, Joshua, what would be easier for you, to watch mercy die on behalf of the world or to die yourself on behalf of the world? Which would you choose, Joshua? And I said, Lord, I would choose to die. And the father said, I would have desired the same thing, but it could not be. And those are some pretty big questions that this five-year-old has been asking for a lot of years. But in that moment, the Lord came and, and he, re, he, re, he revealed to me through Scripture and through the virtue of the Holy Spirit and through the help of a couple of people who could help me question a couple of the core beliefs that I have and simply give me room to stop and allow God to transform me through the renewing of my mind, as the Scripture says, and simply speak the truth to me. And in that moment, the accuser the one who says God is not good, lost his foothold in me. And that chunk of memory in my brain, that chunking, that just says, just avoid the Father. Like, luckily Jesus will be in heaven because his dad's going to be there too. Hopefully he can keep him cool. Well, now I'm looking forward to seeing dad. And now I call him dad, which I didn't call him dad before then. I called him the Father or Father or Lord God Almighty, or anything but Dad. That whole Abba Father business? <laughs> Just saying. So is this, is this resonating with you guys? And so how many of us have these places in our life where he's not a good father? And what I, what I want you to recognize, what I want you to see is, number one, be a great time to go get a sozo, by the way. It's a fantastic ministry. But number two, the accuser of the brethren, the accuser, the adversary, the liar. Jesus said Satan is a liar, and when, he's, when he lies, he speaks his negative language. Well, he's accusing the Father to you all the time. And when we come back and we begin to realize, wait, no, he's a good father then we can actually go to him and say, Father, would you tell me the truth? Would you tell me how you actually are? Would you comfort me? Would you tell me what my identity is? Would you tell me who I am? You see, all reality comes out of that. But it's not just that he's a father, because some of us have had abusive fathers, and we're like, that word father doesn't make me get excited. No, he's a good father. That is the beginning of everything else that we'll learn. It's the beginning of all safety. I love this scripture, Zephaniah 3, 16 and 17. He says, do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God in your midst. A father, I'm sorry, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness and he will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I love that he's the most magnificent, powerful. He's the creator of all things, but he also goes, Who's my baby? Gonna make you smile. Feeling sad. Come hug dad. He's got it all. 
he sings goofy songs to his babies. He picks them up and comforts them. He's a father to the fatherless. He is the reality. And because he's a good father, that means that you have an identity. That means that you're a son. That means you're a daughter. And that means you're safe because even though we get wounded, even though we, we can be lied to and things can happen, your father himself will rescue you. The scripture Psalms, it says, sing to God and sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds and by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families and he brings out those who are bound into, poster, into prosperity. This is my dad. I asked the Lord, Lord, do you send five-year-olds to hell. He said, no, I don't, I don't send anyone to hell. And he says, but Joshua, before you met me, you were in hell. And I took you out of it. He's absolutely right. I used to have night terrors all the time. I used to be afraid all the time. I used to hear voices all the time. I still hear voices, but now my father's there. And he goes, that's your enemy. Don't listen to that. You guys are like, okay, I heard that part. He hears voices. All right, amen, let's go. Um, <laughs> he's a good father. He's a good father. The prayer servant team is gonna come up, and if you need prayer today, and, and I wanna ask that if you need prayer today specifically and just saying, Lord, I want a revelation that you're a good father. I want a revelation that this is true. The snake has been in my garden and I think I've eaten a whole lot of that tainted fruit. And I'm more aware of what's evil than I am of what's good. And I need you, I need this to be true in my life. And I want you to come up and get prayer. Because God wants to give you that. And maybe you're here today and you've never yet even met this father. Like you don't even have a problem with that he was a good father or a bad father or anything. You're just hearing like, I have a father? Yes, and he's a wonderful father. And if you want to come and begin that, you want to begin that journey with him, or maybe you've been away from him for a while and you want to come back to him today, well, we're going to pray right now and we're going to, we're going to pray together and make that opportunity. And if that's you today, I'm going to be back here at this table and I want to shake your hand. And if you let me, I'm probably going to give you a big hug because I know my dad's heart and he's excited about you encountering him today. So let's pray this together, shall we? And all this is is an introduction to begin the journey of knowing this good father more and more because of the love of his son, Jesus Christ, because of his love and because of the finished work of the cross. Does that make sense? So let's pray together. I want to invite you to pray with me. And let's, let's give our lives to him. And for some of us, let's begin that journey of knowing him as he is a good father. We repeat after me. Father in heaven. I believe you're good. I know that I've sinned. And I appreciate you making a way that I can be forgiven. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. That he chose to die on my behalf 
to pay for all sin and to reconcile me back to my dad. I repent of my sins and I give my life to you. Amen. Is there anyone here that just started the journey, that just gave their life to the Lord for the first time? Would you raise your hand? Well, praise God. May the Lord bless you, and may he keep you, and may he cause his face to shine upon you, and may he give you peace. We have a whole bunch of invitation cards at this back table, and it just says, you are invited and welcome to come to Christ Center, 1030, turn in this card for a free beverage, and I would love for each of you to take one and invite someone to come encounter this good father next week. Would you guys do that? Just grab them on your way out. They're right here on this table. God bless you. Don't miss an opportunity to be prayed for and encouraged. Thank you guys for being here today.